You're listening to the Transforming Your Body from the Inside Out podcast, and I'm your host, Justin Lord. I'm widely considered a leader in body and mind transformations. I'm a former Royal Marines Commando and former television personality in the health and fitness field, having spent a number of years on ITV's This Morning, Channel 5, Channel 4, The Bio Channel, and even Dubai One Television. I ran 1,000 miles, the equivalent of 38 back-to-back marathons, running from Cornwall to Scotland and back. And I've coached people from all over the world for over 20 years. On this podcast, I do what I do best, taking complicated information that's relevant to us now and breaking it down simply with actionable steps that you can implement to level up your own life. Here, you're going to find a no-hype approach to transforming your body and life from the inside out, because this podcast is a combination of brain science, transformational psychology, no-fad nutrition, movement, and human behavior to take your body and life to a level you never thought possible. If you're wanting a lot more in life, to become consistent, to eliminate struggle, to heal, to lose weight, feel energized, feel powerful and alive, and to radically improve your health and mindset, then this podcast is for you, because you're gonna start learning how to master your mind and transform your body. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to episode number three of the Transforming Your Body from the Inside Out podcast. And your exclusive content today is designed to be the final resource that you'll ever need, in fact. And it's a subject which has about 275 million results on Google and is one of the top 10 most asked health and fitness subjects on Google. And the question is, what is keto. So that's the exact question that I'm going to answer for you today on this podcast because fasting and other dietary regimes have been used to treat epilepsy in fact since at least 500 BC and they do that to mimic the metabolism of fasting and the ketogenic diet was actually introduced by modern physicians as a treatment for epilepsy back in the 1920s for two decades. This therapy was widely used, but with the modern era of these anti-epileptic drug treatments, its use has declined dramatically. And by the end of the 20th century, this therapy was available in only a small number of children's hospitals. And over the last 15 years, there's been an absolute explosion in its use that you'll recognize from day to day. Anyone that you follow in the health and fitness field nowadays um, will literally be advocating the benefits of the ketogenic diet, not only to do with uh, epilepsy, but also to do mainly with getting yourself into ketosis. And don't mix that up with ketoacidosis, okay? Getting yourself into ketosis to be able to force your body to utilize body fat and to get the body that you want, okay? Now, I define ketosis as a state where your liver makes enough ketones to offset the brain's dependence on glucose. Now, 
If you remember from when I've been talking about intermittent fasting in the intermittent fasting episode, you'll remember that I spoke a lot about our ancestors and our ancestors lived in a time where we would go without food for extended periods of time. And the human body can only store a finite amount of glucose or sugar. Okay, and that's mainly stored in the muscles and also in the liver. Only the glucose stored in the liver can be utilized by the brain. Now, the brain uses about 20% of our daily metabolic fuel needs and ordinarily functions using glucose. So we have a problem. The brain is dependent on glucose, but we can only store a small amount of glucose in the liver. So the body needed and evolved over time a system to fuel the brain and the body, even in times where there was no readily available food. Converting protein then into glucose was a possible mechanism for the body. But this would mean a lot of muscle wasting, which isn't wise for our survival. If we are having muscle wasting, then we're not gonna be great at being able to function day to day, like being able to get out, to forage, to hunt and to gather. It's just not conducive to surviving properly. So the other option, which actually is the superior option, is the breakdown of fat into fuel that can be used by the brain. Now, this is a beautiful solution by the body because even the leanest individual will have weeks and weeks worth of energy stored as body fat. The body breaks down this fat in the liver and converts it into ketone bodies. Now, the brain can utilize these ketones as a fuel source and it will forego the need for the stored glucose or constant consumption of carbohydrates. And these ketones can also be used to make something in the body, which actually is the, the universal energy currency of the body, which is adenosine triphosphate, okay? So ATP, all right? So if ATP is the universal energy currency of the body, okay, then ketones, can also be used to make that universal energy currency of the body. Now, the body will start making ketones when either we go extended periods without food, like with intermittent fasting, or we restrict one dietary component that stops ketone formation. This being carbohydrates and also minimizing our protein intake as this can also actually, believe it or not, with a too higher protein intake can actually halt ketones. So in turn, your primary source of food now is fat and with very little carbohydrate consumption and a small amount of protein. Now, this is a common mistake that people make when it comes to uh, the keto diet or ketosis is that they're just consuming far, far, far too much protein, okay, in the form of animal foods. So aside from the fat loss and aside from the anti-epilepsy, what are the other benefits of being in ketosis? You know, why would you want to be in a state of ketosis in the first place? Okay, and there's been a lot of documented reports behind the benefits of ketosis. And some of these, as I've just mentioned, is weight loss. But there's also anti-aging. 
And because you're restricting the amount of carbohydrates and sugar that you're taking in, you're going to naturally have a much lower blood sugar. You've also got improved brain function, which is where the benefits apply to epilepsy. You've got, interestingly, endurance performance. And most people won't actually believe that that's the case. But uh, when you're doing an endurance race, to rely on carbohydrates can cause you to bonk a lot sooner. And arriving at that position in an endurance race means that your energy levels are going to drop and you are going to really need um, another surge of carbohydrates. And that is normally, unfortunately, in the form of gels, full and laden with sugar. But if you can rely on fat, you are much more sustainable, okay? You also arrive with uh, stable energy levels. I've mentioned the epilepsy and Alzheimer's treatment, and it's also a cancer prevention and treatment because cancer is an obligate glucose metabolizer which means that it will grow and thrive on uh, carbohydrates and sugar so when you starve the cancer of that you are then in a cancer treatment and a cancer prevention scenario but a lot of people think and they get confused that ketosis is actually dangerous. Well, there's a difference because ketoacidosis is dangerous, but ketosis isn't. So ketoacidosis then is a serious condition and that can actually be life-threatening. Ketosis, on the other hand, is something that most people enter every night when they're sleeping. There's a huge difference and so many doctors are only familiar with the ketoacidosis, and so they get the terms mixed up. Hence, the common fear of ketosis being dangerous. Okay, the difference between the two conditions is a matter of volume and flow rate. Okay, so ketosis is controlled. Insulin regulated process, which results in a mild release of fatty acids and ketone body production in response to either as I've said before, a fast from food or a reduction in your carbohydrate intake. Ketoacidosis, however, is driven by a lack of insulin in the body. So without insulin, blood sugar rises to high levels and stored fat streams from fat cells. The excess amount of fat metabolism results in the production of abnormal quantities of ketones. The combination of a now high blood sugar and high ketone levels really begins to upset the normal acid-base balance in the body and become quite dangerous. So in order to reach a state of ketoacidosis, insulin levels must be so low that the regulation of blood sugar and fatty acid flow is impaired. So a key point to keep in mind is that the rise in blood ketone levels that leads to ketoacidosis is diabetics corresponds with a simultaneous elevation of blood glucose levels. But when ketosis is used for these therapeutic purposes in everyone else, blood glucose actually drops 
And this is a major difference that actually should now put your mind at ease. So what's the difference then, which is a common misconception when it comes to the ketogenic diet? What's the difference now then between a low carbohydrate diet and a ketogenic diet? Well, being on a low carb diet doesn't mean that you're in ketosis or in a ketogenic state. There's a big difference between the two. Being in a state of ketosis generally means that you have a ketone blood reading of about 0.5 millimoles per liter or higher. But you can be on a low carb diet and not be anywhere near that 0.5 millimoles per liter of ketones in your blood. In fact, this was one of the biggest surprises that I had when I first ever started exploring ketos, ketosis. So for years, I'd been following this cyclical lower carb diet, okay, where I was carb backloading. I'd be having the carbohydrates after a workout only. And for years, I'd only consume those carbohydrates later in the afternoon in this carb backloading style. After eating five days without any carbs, I tested my ketone levels and they were 0.1 millimoles per liter. So this reading was done first thing in the morning after 10 hours of fasting, after five days without a carb in my diet. To be clear, low carb does not equal ketosis. So what's the difference then? First, you need to define what you mean by low carb. So if you have the average uh, Western world male adult consuming about 250 to 300 grams of carbs a day, which is pretty normal, then you could define this low carbohydrate diet as anything that is below that number. Okay, so if you're going about your day eating 250 to 300 grams of carbohydrates, then anything below that 250 is a low carb day for you. Okay, so there's not one standard ketogenic diet with a specific ratio of macronutrients, and macronutrients are carbohydrates, fat, and protein. The ketogenic diet typically reduces the total carbohydrate intake to less than 50 grams a day, which equates to about less than the amount found in a medium plain bagel. And it can be a low, as low, in fact, as about 20 grams a day. So generally, popular ketogenic resources suggest an average of 70 to 80% fat from total daily calories and only 5 to 10% from carbohydrates, and interestingly, as low as 10 to 20% protein. So for a 2,000 calorie diet, this translates to about 165 grams of fat, which is actually quite easy, for only 40 grams of carbohydrates under that 50 gram amount, and 75 grams of protein, which is probably about one gram per kilo of body weight. The protein amount on the ketogenic diet is kept only moderate in comparison with other sort of low carb, high protein diets, because 
Like I said before, eating too much protein can actually prevent you getting into ketosis. The amino acids, which are the building blocks of protein, can be actually converted to glucose. So a ketogenic diet specifies enough protein just to preserve that lean body mass, including muscle. But that will still cause ketosis. So many versions of this ketogenic diet exist, okay? But all of them, all of them ban a carb-rich diet. Some of these foods may be obvious, like the starches from both refined and whole grains, like breads, cereals, pasta, rice, uh, biscuits, cookies, potatoes, in fact, even corn, okay, and other starchy vegetables, and also fruit juices. So some that actually might not be so obvious to you that are also high carbohydrate are things like beans and legumes and also most fruits apart from the low uh, fructose fruits like uh, citrus fruits and also um, berries. Now most ketogenic plans allow foods high in nuts, seeds, avocados, plant oils and oily fish. Okay, so in summary, ketosis is a state of being when your blood ketones are in a range of 0.5 to 3 millimoles per liter. Okay, low carb is simply eating a low carb diet, lower than what you're ordinarily used to. Okay, so can you be in a low carb and in ketosis? Well, the answer is yes and no. Do you have to be low carb in order to be in ketosis? No. So if you're confused, then keep listening as I'll explain all of this in more detail in a moment. But just remember, being in a state of ketosis means more than simply restricting carbohydrates. Although limiting carbs does help, and typically the lower your carb consumption, the more likely you will be in a state of ketosis, but there's also other factors that will come into play. Now, there's multiple forms of ketosis. The conventional way to enter ketosis is obviously to eat an ultra-low carbohydrate, protein-restricted, high-fat diet. Now, this would be considered nutritional ketosis. But some people choose to use supplements as well to benefit this ketosis, and this is called therapeutic ketosis. And finally, there's the MCT ketogenic diet, which is a form of nutritional ketosis, ultra low carbohydrate, limited protein, high fat with a twist. About 30 to 60% of fat intake, all right, should come in the form of medium chain triglycerides, or MCTs. MCTs are sources of fat, which can include pure MCT oil or coconut oil and coconut products. The MCT ketogenic diet is often used with epilepsy sufferers as the high levels of MCT oil create a higher level of ketones in the blood, which in turn helps prevent any seizures. Now there's two primary methods to attain the benefits of ketones for your own health. The first is to follow a ketogenic diet, which is 
as I said, nutritional ketosis. By following a diet that is high in fat, modest in protein, and low in carbohydrates, we can naturally induce our body to start burning fat for fuel and producing ketones. The next is to take ketone supplements, which is therapeutic ketosis or exogenous uh, ketones. Um, so this second option is to consume the ketones in the form of the supplement, okay? And you can take things like uh, keto um, ketone salts, and they provide the exact same ketone bodies that are produced naturally in the body. And while supplements aren't a complete replacement for the benefits of ketones produced through the diet, they do lower the barrier by allowing anyone to start benefiting from therapeutic ketones. And then, of course, you've got this hybrid strategy. And the hybrid strategy is to follow this low-carb, high-fat ketogenic diet to induce nutritional ketosis and to use ketone supplements strategically. So the supplements like the ketone salts or an MCT oil can help ease this transition into ketosis and they can be an effective tool when we're knocked out of nutritional ketosis by having let's say a carb high carb day okay and they can help push ketone levels higher in the body for added benefit so what would be then the typical diet or macro breakdown for a ketogenic diet now like i said there's no correct number when it comes to finding that perfect ketogenic diet? The short answer is, it actually depends. And the best way to find the perfect diet for you is to test. However, I'm gonna give you a few starting points. Now, effective strategies for increasing ketone production may come from the traditional teachings of that ketogenic diet, which calls for a fat to protein and carbohydrate ratio of four to one. First, the protein requirement is determined for you, which is one gram of protein per kilogram of body weight. Then add in 10 to 15 grams of carbohydrates. The rest of the diet then is comprised of fat. So let's say a child weighs 44 pounds or 20 uh, kilograms, the daily protein intake would be 20 grams um, and carbohydrate would be 10 grams for a total of 30 grams that are not fat. So do you need carbs in to survive the day? Well, the answer is no. Anyone who has fasted for more than 24 hours can prove this. I've gone 72 hours without food and I'm still here, here to tell the tale. So do you need carbs to train? Well, actually, no. Again, this is anecdote only. But I have done numerous training sessions in a carb-deprived state. Some of my best training sessions were done in a fasted, carb-deprived state. And there's a lot of endurance athletes who are using a ultra-low-carb ketogenic diet and putting in some great times. Even those who follow a strict ketogenic diet, eating zero carbohydrates, still has about 50 to 70% of a normal glycogen level stored in the muscle and liver because 
it's been demonstrated by muscle biopsies in all of those subjects. So instead of asking, do you need carbohydrates? You should ask, do I need carbs to thrive? And this is where the answer gets tricky. Even though endurance athletes can train in a carb depleted state, they'll generally consume carbohydrates in the lead up to a race, okay? The athlete is then seeking to increase the ability to run off fats by training in a carb depleted state, then benefiting from both fats and carbs come race day. Likewise, the brain, even though the brain can function off ketos, does it mean that it's the best state for your brain function? So what then do you actually eat on a ketogenic diet? Well, so as I've said, fat intake needs to be very high. So we need to have fat and lots of it. And the choices can be anything like butter, ghee, coconut oil, um, fatty cuts of meat like brisket, rump, and any sort of chops. Uh, people will introduce lard and dripping and tallow for cooking. Then you've got the high-fat nuts like nuts, macadamia nuts are best. You've got olive oil, MCT oil, which is pretty much coconut oil or pure MCT oil. There's adding in cream. You, If you're the person that can stomach it, then you can introduce organ meats like liver. You've got bacon, cheese, you've got keto nut butter, sour cream, eggs, and in particular the yolk. You've got bone broth, which includes the fat. You've got fatty fish like sardines, trout, and salmon. And there's the shellfish and, of course, keto collagen powder. Now, there's many, many meal plans on the web for ketogenic diets, and you can go and Google those right after this podcast. So I'm not going to go into too much detail here, but what I've done is create sort of two typical days, okay? And I'm just going to give you a rough idea. So day number one, you could have breakfast as a high-fat, low-carb smoothie, and a example of a high fat low carb smoothie would be something like a base of avocado you can also have in fact to create that smooth texture is actually and surprisingly frozen cauliflower and that can be your base to create that smoothness to give it some flavor then what i'll do is skin uh, two lemons so that I get more juice from those, and obviously they are low fructose. That gives it a lot of flavor. Then I'll add in some antioxidants from some frozen berries, and obviously they are low fructose as well. So now I've got a very smooth smoothie with uh, quite a high fat content already from the uh, avocados. Then I'll add in a nice dollop of coconut oil, to further increase that fat. And then I'm adding in flax seeds and particularly sprouted flax seeds because they have a much higher bioavailability and you're gonna get far more nutrients from something that has been sprouted. So now my fat content is very high in this smoothie. And so then I will add in 
all of the other supplements that I'm too lazy to take individually and I'll add in my wheatgrass. To that, I'll put in uh, a scoop of creatine and some spirulina. And it's going to be very green, but it's going to be very smooth and it will be quite tasty. So that's an example of a high-fat, low-carb smoothie. Lunch can be something like a curry with cauliflower rice, so therefore you're eliminating the carbs there, and you can have some extra uh, coconut oil in the curry to give it that coconutty flavor. Um, dinner would be something quite simple as salmon with a small serving of green vegetables, and you can actually make a really nice homemade mayo from egg yolks, some MCT oil or coconut oil, some lemon juice, salt, and mustard. And that there is a really great recipe for a homemade mayo. Now, day two could be something um, where you wouldn't have a breakfast at all. And you're going to get into ketosis by undertaking intermittent fasting. And if you want to know far more about intermittent fasting, then head over to the podcast dedicated to intermittent fasting, which is episode number one. And you could introduce some ketone salt supplements at that point. Lunch could be an egg yolk omelette and some cheese and some vegetables. And if you can stomach it, a side of uh, liver. And dinner would be maybe something like a slow cooked stew with bone broth and a high fat meat and you can also add in some coconut oil there and some vegetables and that's a a very very good and varied uh, nutrition plan on a ketogenic diet for two days and I I think that's uh, a good base point to work from. So what do you need to avoid on a ketogenic diet? Well I'm going to talk about some foods that you should avoid if you want to remain in ketosis. Now, I'm not claiming that these foods and supplements are unhealthy or bad in any way at all. I'm simply providing just a list of foods and supplements that should be kept to a minimum if your goal is to have this high blood ketone reading. Okay, so you should avoid sugars. And that goes without saying. It's pretty much plain and simple. You need to avoid the consumption of all sugars if your goal is to remain in strict keto, okay? That resulting insulin spike will knock you right out of ketosis. And this means you should limit foods like fruit, honey, syrups, all sugar, fruit juice. Uh, Certainly should avoid the fizzy drinks and soda and also milk. Now, you might find a tiny amount here and there is okay, like two grams of sugar with a meal full of fat might be okay. But if you're starting out, I'd recommend cutting out all sugar from your diet and most importantly, avoiding sugar consumption on an empty stomach. So for best results, track your ketone levels before and after meals to see just that, see that impact that food has had on your ketone levels. And then you've got the other carbohydrates. Things like root vegetables like potatoes, pumpkin, grains, okay? Um, And also the grain-derived foods like bread and flours. Now, these may not cause the same blood sugar spike 
that pure glucose does, but the blood sugar increase will knock you out of ketosis, especially if these foods are consumed on an empty stomach or without any fats. Then you've got artificial sweeteners. Okay, now this is something you'll have to test because the impact of artificial sweeteners tends to vary between individual to individual. Some artificial sweeteners will cause a blood sugar spike, which can knock you out of ketosis. So my recommendation is simple on this. Avoid all artificial sweeteners if you want to use them, then test your ketone levels before and after to see the impact that they have on you. Then you've got glucogenic amino acids, okay? These are a few supplements that I'd recommend avoiding if you want to remain in ketosis. And two of the big ones, which many people are taking, uh, particularly uh, one of them, which is glutamine for their gut health. And this one will knock you right out of ketosis, but also alanine, okay? The glucogenic amino acid is an amino acid that can be converted into glucose via gluconeogenesis, okay? This is in contrast to the ketogenic amino acids which are converted into ketone bodies. So the production of glucose from glucogenic amino acids involves these amino acids being converted into alpha keto acids and then to glucose with both processes actually being or undertaken in the liver. The mechanism um, predominates during uh, catabolysis, okay, rising as fasting and starvation increase in severity, okay. So in humans, these amino acids which will knock you out of ketosis are alanine, arginine, asparagine, aspartic, cysteine, glutamic, glutamine, glycine, histidine, methionine, proline, serine, and valine, okay? For instance, a 10 gram serving of glutamine dropped my blood uh, ketone levels from 2.8 to 0.4 millimoles per liter, okay? So what about then if amino acids are causing you to uh, come out of ketosis? Then what about your protein consumption? So as you can see from what I've just told you, many amino acids are glucogenic meaning they're easily converted into glucose. Glucose will then halt this ketone production, meaning your ketone levels will fall and you'll be knocked out of ketosis. Amino acids are the building blocks of protein. Therefore, protein itself can knock you out of ketosis. So this is probably one of the most understood notions of a true ketogenic diet and the difference between a keto diet and a low carb diet. An optimal ketogenic diet will be low in carbohydrates and protein. Many people have experimented with this low carb dieting uh, simply reduce 
carbs and increased protein. And this is a big reason behind this uh, due to the misconception that excess fat is bad, which is untrue. However, excess protein can be converted to glucose or blood sugar through a process called gluconeogenesis. So what this means is for the ketogenic crowd is that your protein intake needs to be restricted and even monitored. If you're seeking high blood ketone levels, how much protein is excess? And how much protein will knock you out of ketosis? And the answer is, it depends. So all you need to do is refer back to what I spoke about with what is a typical diet or macro breakdown for some rough calculations to get you started. Otherwise, simply test your blood ketones after a meal. If your ketone figure drops drastically, then you may have consumed far too much protein in that particular meal. So one thing to remember here is that even if your calculated daily keto-approved protein allowance, let's say, is 150 grams, that doesn't mean that you can eat 150 grams in one meal and still be in ketosis. You may find that you can't eat more than, say, 40 grams of protein at a time. Otherwise, it will drop you out of ketosis. Or you may find that you can eat 50 grams of protein, but you may need a lot of fat, whereas a small serving of 15 grams of protein without fat might knock you out of ketosis. Again, you just need to test and to, to find the impact of food on your body. But the most important takeaway here is don't overdo your protein consumption if you want to reach a state of ketosis. So how do you get into uh, ketosis then? The simplest answer is to stop eating food. What do I mean by that? I mean intermittent fasting. But this isn't sustainable in the long term. So what you can do is avoid all carbs and keep protein intake low. Increase your fat consumption. Increase your consumption of MCT oil at each meal, either pure MCT oil or coconut oil. You can use uh, keto supplements and you can stick to a trustworthy brand there like keto ketone salts or a combination using the hybrid method of those that I've spoken about. Okay, so what's one way to reach ketosis rapidly then? Well, you can fast for 18 to 36 hours Break that fast with a high-fat meal, low in protein, and devoid of any carbohydrates. Use MCT with each meal. Continue to use the intermittent fasting protocol, fasting for 12 hour hours or thereabouts every day. When you do eat, ensure that your meals are high in fat and moderate protein and low carbohydrate. Again, include MCT oil with each meal. Okay, and then finally, then you can look at supplementing with exogenous ketones. So what then knocks you out of ketosis? Well, excess protein throughout the day will. Excess protein at any mealtime will. Pure amino acids on an empty stomach without food will. 10 grams of glutamine on an empty stomach will. 
any form of sugars will. And also glycolytic training will, like sprints, intervals, CrossFit type workouts, bodybuilding type workouts. Stress from hard training causes glucose to be released for fuel. Okay, and also a single large serving of protein or carbs, even 30 grams. So if you're aware of particular foods or supplements that knock you out of ketosis, then all I want you to do is make a comment on this podcast and I'll add it to the list. Now, the importance of, or what are the importance of extra salt in that ketogenic diet? Well, it's very important to increase your salt consumption when you're on a ketogenic diet because ketones naturally act as a diuretic. So you're going to lose some salt. You're going to lose potassium. You'll lose calcium and magnesium. And it's generally encouraged to increase your sodium intake with ketones. When you restrict carbs, the kidneys excrete a lot of sodium. Not replacing the sodium can leave you feeling lightheaded. And I recommend having a big glass of mineral water with half a teaspoon of Celtic salt twice a day. First thing in the morning and mid-afternoon are two times that really work well. Along with this, make sure you use a lot of salt on your meals. And you want to be using uh, the correct type of salt. Himalayan pink salt or Celtic sea salt works really well. And then you've got carb refeeds and ketosis. This is something I used to do. A lot of people who use uh, ketogenic diets will include regular, mainly weekly, carb refeed, refeed meals. And they'll call these cheat meals. And there's various reasons behind doing this. If you're doing a lot of glycolytic-based training, like the CrossFit workouts or HIIT workouts, then the carb refeed can help bump up that muscle glycogen levels and in turn, it will boost your performance. Others use these refeeds as a way to keep their thyroid health in check. And finally, some people use these refeeds as a cheat day so that they can still enjoy the pleasures from carbohydrates. It also gives you something to look forward to, but personally, I think it's wise to include a regular carb meal in your diet if you're gonna follow a ketogenic diet because long-term ketogenic diets do seem to down-regulate your thyroid and metabolism, and a weekly carb meal or a carb day can really help avoid this. Finally, if you're nervous about any sort of carb refeed, then but you do understand the importance of doing so, then why don't you look at using a bitter melon extract supplement with your carb meal to help clear that, that glucose from your blood. And lastly, we've got fasting and ketosis, okay? There are many health benefits of fasting, and I cover this in detail in my podcast, which is episode number one on intermittent fasting. Now, fasting is often used by many people on a ketogenic diet. Why? Because when you fast, your body needs to derive energy from the stored body fat and stored liver glycogen. And during this time, the body will increase the production of ketones. Fasting 
equals ketosis. And yes, this means that even a high carb sugar burner may reach a very mild state of ketosis after a night without food. Fasting is a very effective way to enter a state of ketosis. And as with ketones, we would not be able to survive any extended period without food. So thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to in as my guest. If you found this episode valuable, then please share it with friends and on social media. I don't advertise this show, so I rely heavily on word of mouth and five-star reviews to be able to get this out in the world. The biggest thank you that you can give me is to leave a review. And this is how others find these episodes. And please don't forget to connect with me in your private Facebook group called Transform Your Body From The Inside Out. Just do a search on Facebook for the group called Transforming Your Body From The Inside Out, where I share exclusive content, programs, webinars, all free just for you.